Welcome to the Truth Must Be Told podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we share the good news of Jesus in this uncertain world. If you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, please reach out to me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. Now, if you've missed any episodes, you can go to anchor.fm and look for me, Sal Passos. While you're there, hit the support button and help this podcast to continue. For those of you on YouTube, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these exciting shows. Thank you once again for your support, and I'll be seeing you soon on The Truth Must Be Told. The Shroud of Turin is a centuries-old linen cloth that bears the image of a crucified man. Millions believe it to be the image of Jesus of Nazareth. Is it really the cloth that wrapped his crucified body, or is it simply a medieval forgery, a hoax, perpetrated by some clever artist? Well, we'll discuss it today on The Truth Must Be Told, so stand by. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'd be a nice change of pace. When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Truth Must Be Told. Today is uh, Saturday. We are live, and uh, well, we're not really live. We're, we're Memorex today. <laughs> we're recording for you. Uh, I am going to be doing, uh, if you guys, um, if you guys are interested, um, there is, if you get what's called the wisdom app, I haven't put it up here yet, but I'm going to be doing some, uh, um, I'm going to be a mentor on wisdom app, uh, where you can, uh, you could tune into a live show and you can actually talk with me live on the air. And uh, we could be discussing various um, various uh, topics, and uh, you just keep your eye open for that. If you get the Wisdom app, you can get it for both your iPhone and for Android, and uh, you could look up uh, The Truth Must Be Told on that, and you'll be able to just follow me on that. And when I go live on there finally, probably will be within the next week or so, hopefully, prayerfully, and we will uh, be, uh, uh, be able to converse um, not face-to-face, but at least voice-to-voice, all right? So I told you about that. Now, I just want to comment on this opening shot. Now, you notice I've been putting, like, different traffic things um, up. If you, those of you who are watching on uh, YouTube and uh, Yubnub and uh, Rumble and that, uh, which you can uh, find me there, you're going to see this opening shot, and it's a handicap uh, spot uh, w- with stairs next to it that lead up to a ramp that go into the building. Now, as funny as this is, uh, I actually ran across one of these uh, back in Milford, Connecticut. The um, the uh, doctor's office that I used to take my mother to had a set of stairs before you got to the ramp. Wonderful, wonderful. So I had to pull her up the stairs to get her wheelchair up into the ramp to get her up into the doctor's office. Isn't that just exciting? But just to let you know that this kind of stuff exists. And, you know, like they say, people say you had one job. And there you go. So... Um, I just want to thank everyone for your concern. Uh, yeah, first of all, I'm still a bit shaken up, though. For the, for those of you who aren't aware, I was ro- I was robbed last night at a Circle K gas station uh, by me here on uh, Moffat Road at about eight o'clock, and 
you know, after, uh, you know, after I got, I mean, I, I didn't respond. I was just like, you know, I was, it was just, it was terrible. I managed to call the police, uh, the, the, the sheriff's office and the sheriff came down. They were very quick to respond and calm me down because, you know, my blood pressure was through the roof, obviously, you know, all my money was gone and the police asked me if I knew who did it. And I told them, yes, it was pump number three. Okay, so that was a bad joke. All right, so <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, yeah, all right, here we go. Now, uh, <laughs> thank you for those of you who haven't shut me off yet. If you are watching on um, on Facebook, don't forget to uh, to uh, you Christians do me a favor and take the uh, uh, greet the uh, like button with your holy fist and. Um, you know, and then share this and hit that uh, bell so you can get notified. And don't forget to subscribe because that's uh, that's very important. And uh, as likewise, if you're uh, on uh, Rumble or on Yubnub, don't forget to hit the like buttons and share. And there are places on Yubnub where you can uh, you can help us out if you uh, feel that you want to do that. And uh, I know I've lost uh, a lot. I got to say something honestly before we start today's program. I know the other day when I addressed the uh, the uh, shortage of the baby formula in my news segment, I was, you know, I made a comment about people, uh, you know, that there are a lot of, you know, that you guys, uh, women, have an ability to feed their own babies without having to use formula. Now, I know maybe some of you got upset about that. I want to apologize. <clears throat> Nobody's been addressing that issue. Now, I do realize that there are people out there that cannot uh, feed their babies uh, naturally. So I've, I wasn't meant for you, but for the new mothers and stuff like that that, that can do it, um, you know, it should be considered. The other day, in fact, I, this is not on the topic, but um, I had heard through, I was listening to Sean Hannity, and he had made a comment from uh, that one of the administrations, uh, Biden administration, said that... Uh, um, Oh, if you're short on formula, you should talk to your doctor and see if you can get a, uh, you know, a free sample from him. Excuse me. Well, that's not going to solve the problem, folks. That's not going to solve the problem. So there has to be another way that we can address this and, and whatnot. But I just want you guys to know that, um, you know, I meant it no offensively. I'm just saying that this is a solution to a problem that we could... Uh, that we can uh, take care of. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fiddling down here. I had actually found something that somebody gave me and it's a little coin. I don't know if I can get this up to you so you could see it, but it says with God, all things are possible. And inside that little thing, there is a mustard seed. Uh, that mu that's the size of a mustard seed. Let me see if I can get this a little closer to the camera here. Maybe you guys can see it. See with God, all things are possible with God. And it has the mustard seed there. And uh, on the back, it's, uh, it has the scripture that Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, uh, nothing will be impossible for you. Whatever you ask, you'll receive. Uh, so all things are possible. And uh, I just am amazed at the size of this. Um, with faith, all things are possible. And this is, uh, again, you could see in there the side size of the mustard seed. It's in the little bottom part of that. Uh, that little window there on the on the coin and I've had this coin now for about three years and you know I, I, I look at it and it is a reminder 
that with God all things are possible. And that is very, um, that is very uh, poignant because, um, you know, Lori and I are just, we're going through a difficult time and we're, it, it, it's, we have never been in this type of situation before. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just stuck. And so I just appreciate you guys praying for us and to, uh, you know, and to uh, continue to pray for us in the situation we're in and to let us know that you're praying for us. It would be really great. And those of you who know Lori, give her a call or send her a text and tell her, hey, um, you know, I know you guys are, are going through some difficult times and uh, we're praying for you. So uh, that's uh, very important to me if you wouldn't mind taking that on it would be greatly appreciated all right so let's get on to today's subject the shroud of turin now i first heard about the shroud of turin back in the uh early 70s late 60s when my dad brought it up i think it was in a uh, time magazine thing or one of the life magazine things or another and he was showing me pictures of it and as a kid i was fascinated of course as a catholic i was really fascinated because this thing was now under the control of the Catholic Church, and they believe that it is a, it is the actual burial cloth of uh, Christ. Now the opening that I read this morning, or today, um, that was a I'm quoting from Barry Schwartz. Now Barry Schwartz is one of the guys who runs the um, the Shroud Encounter, and he uh, he wrote an article about it, and I just uh, I flagrantly plagiarized his, but I'm giving him credit, so it's not plagiarizing. Uh, but that's, it was a great opening, great opening, um, comment, I thought, but I do have information on the shroud and, uh, some people are saying that it's actually a 15, it was, it's a hoax, uh, that was done back in the 1500s. And I do have an article here that I'm going to read from you, uh, read to you from the shroud encounter. It's very important. But before I do that, I want to explain a little bit more about the shroud. So the shroud is a 13-foot, 14-foot piece of linen woven cloth that's been dated back to the time of Christ. And on that cloth is an image, it's superimposed image, of of a man that has been crucified. The images of of the the, uh, scourging, scourging marks are all there, the... um, Okay, the scourging marks are there. The the you can see where the crown of thorns was. There's a hole in the side, and definitely uh, wounds in the wrists and in the feet. And the body is in a in a state of rigor mortis. You can see where it's been, where the legs are up and stuff like that. You, I'm going to be showing some pictures of it in a little bit while I'm reading the article, and you can uh, you mean you can look it up yourself. Uh, but before you know, so it, it is a um, it is a very intriguing piece of cloth that, uh, well, you'll see. I'm going to be playing a clip from L.A. Mazzulli. And again, I'm just going to put this disclosure up here that what I'm doing is um, not violating any copyright laws. I'm This is according to Copyright Act 1976. Allowance is made for fair use pers- per- uh, purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. And this is what I'm doing. This is permitted by uh, under the copyright statute. I'm not infringing on somebody's uh, video, not trying to make money off of somebody's video. It's in favor of the fair use. So I, I want you folks on uh, YouTube to understand that and the YouTube uh, people uh, to understand that that's why I'm showing this clip. So it's about a five-minute clip from a fellow by the name of Ellie Marzulli who's been studying 
Uh, he uh, does a, a series called On the Trail of the Nephilim. He also talks a lot about UFOs and things like that. And uh, but he also is is studying the uh, the Shroud of Turin. He's been studying that for about forty seven years, so uh, would be you know well worth to listen to an expert about it. And I'm going to read some things about the Shroud. And this uh, this broadcast is a, this this clip from his uh, program is called the Shroud of Turin Conspiracy by L.A. Marzuli, and you can look that. I actually have posted this video on my YouTube channel. Uh, for you to look at. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you look under uh, videos or library, however it works there, under the Truth Must Be Told library, you will see it in there. It's one of the uh, it's one of the ones that are in there. I left a link there for you so you can check it out. All right, so I'm going to bring up uh, L.A. Mazzulli here, and uh, we'll listen to him for a few minutes, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss a few things further. When Secundo Pio was, was commissioned... Um, to photograph the shroud. And this this goes back, you know, well over 100 years, I believe. So he's he's got the you know the old box camera with the glass plates, right? He's putting the glass plates in, and now he's in his dark room and he's developing the face, what he believes is the glass plate, the close up of just the face. So as he's developing, he's expecting to see a negative. What he sees is a positive image. He almost drops the plate because he can't even believe it. In other words, this face right here comes up on the glass plates, and he is absolutely astonished. Who wouldn't be? The shroud, some people say, is a 15th century medieval fake. Okay, why? Because of the carbon-14 dating. Let's walk through that before I go any further. So the Shroud of Research, um, Traditory Research Project, spent hours and hours and hours. They collected pollen, they photographed it. Uh, we've interviewed Barry Schwartz, we've interviewed Dame Isabel Pixek. If you're interested, it's in our Watchers series. I believe it's Watchers 2. Um, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, both of these people, uh, Barry Schwartz and, and Dame Isabel Pixek, I mean, they are, they are students of the Shroud, more so than I am. And I've studied the Shroud since I became a Christian 42 years ago. So they went to do the carbon-14 dating and they had agreed ahead of time they were going to take three samples from three different parts of the shroud to make sure that they would get a really good carbon dating reading on it. Well, that's not what happened. As the scientists met to look at the shroud, a bunch of guys in black suits come walking in and go, oh, everybody out of the room. So about three hours later, three hours later, um, they convened back into the room. This is all documented in, uh, in, in our film. Watchers 2 on the Shroud. It's also in Best of Watchers. So you can go to uh, our Uscreen channel, streaming.lamarzulli.net, and, and download it if you're really interested. And I hope, you, I hope you would be, because this is unbelievable information from two of the most incredible people that have studied the Shroud. Barry Schwartz was the, was the STIRP, Shroud of Touring Research Project uh, team. He was the photographer. Uh, they had 120 hours to examine the Shroud uh, I believe Barry was up for something like 110 of them. So, I mean, that's, he was, he took thousands of photographs of the shroud. Just incredible. So, the guys in the suits come back in and they say, well, you can only take samples from this corner of the shroud. So, that's not what the protocol, you know, that's not in line with the protocols that had been established before the team ever got there and agreed upon by all parties. So now we've got something at eh. So they go in and they take the samples. They wait, sure enough, the samples come back 15th century. 
everybody goes, no, it can't be because the preponderance of evidence pointed to a much earlier date. And are you aware that there's pollen on the shroud that is only found in Jerusalem? Only found in Jerusalem. So let me get this straight. A forger, a fake guy, is going to take the cloth, go to Jerusalem, wait till springtime, get some flowers and sprinkle it over the shroud to make an authentic uh, copy. And then he's going to all know, he's also going to know in the 15th century about photography. So he's going to make a negative image on the shroud. Seriously? And it just goes on and on and on from there. Enter these two people. This man, I believe, was a monk. I forget his name. <clears throat> and he was very interested in the shroud. And he's online. And he meets this woman online. And they're talking about the shroud. And the emails go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. They fall in love. They meet. He leaves the monastery. They get married. So their team, just the two of them, did a paper, wrote a paper on this and basically put it up for peer review. And the paper stated that the reason why the 15th century date came in for the, from the carbon dating of the shroud was because, drumroll please, was because the poor sisters of Claire were hired after the fire. You can see the burn marks. If you look right there, that's one of the burn marks from the fire, okay? So the poor sisters of Claire came in and they did something called invisible weaving, end-to-end -end splicings of the linen, except their splicing was cotton, okay? End-to-end -end splicing. This is unbelievable. And so they posited, this, this team, husband and wife team, that the reason why the carbon-14 dating was skewed was because of the end-to-end -end splicing from the Poor Sisters of Clare, which skewed the results. So they published this paper. One of the the men who was actually one of the textile experts and had samples of the shroud with him in his laboratory back in the States, well said, read the paper and said, well, I can just prove that in 15 minutes. So he goes down. Why this wasn't done, who knows? He goes down, takes a sample, looks under the microscope. Sure enough, he sees end-to-end -end splicing. He writes a paper, which, and now, um, you know, <laughs> it's just amazing how things work. So everybody on the planet knows that, oh, the shroud's a 15th century forgery. But... They don't know that that's been completely overturned. It's not a 15th century forgery. There's no way it is. You've got forensic information on the shroud, and no one knows how it was put there. There was, in my opinion, time stopped, gravity stopped. Uh, Dame Isabel Pick Pixick talked about the singularity where um, time and space as we know it completely stopped. The body was levitated. The shroud was pulled tight and then the body completely um, disarticulated, evaporated. I'm not even sure what, what word I can use, but just in a million, billions of points of light which created the image on the shroud. So what do you guys think of that? Uh, I find it very, very interesting that, um, uh, you know, he, that the, so the 15th century hoax has been debunked. Uh, so that makes me that makes me uh, wonder what was uh, you know what was going on. So you know, L.A. Mazzuli, uh, L.A. Marzulli just said he's he questions the, um, the it's been debunked. The 15th century hoax uh, rumor has been debunked, and we're going to go over some of that uh, when we come back from the break because uh, I got a, a rather lengthy article that I want to read. So let's, uh, let's just take a break right now. 
Uh, you can chew on that for a little bit, and we'll be right back on The Truth Must Be Told. Right, thanks for uh, returning with me. I'm sorry my uh, the commercial didn't go, but that was I just wanted to uh, talk about my son, uh, Eric Passos. Uh, he works for uh, Ravis uh, Realty down there in Connecticut, up there up there in Connecticut. Uh, you can reach him at 203-893-6337 for any of your real estate questions. Uh, let him know that you uh, heard it here on the Truth Must Be Told. So that's Eric Passos at Ravis.com, where you can contact him by phone at 203. 203- 893-6337, and he would be glad to help you with your realty needs up there in Connecticut. So uh, just uh, give him a call and let him know that you heard it here on The Truth Must Be Told. And um, that'll be great. Uh, so, yeah, so, I, you know, in thinking of the uh, Shroud of Turin, I wondered a lot about it, like I said, growing up, and... Um, you know, it's 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 just an interesting it's just an interesting artifact that bears <clears throat> to be looked at. Um, the history of the shroud it's been it's been um, it's been preserved. Now this is from the shroudencounter.com. All right, I have paper here from I printed from the shroudencounter.com. Uh, so what we have here it has been. Uh, Preserved and reverenced for and revered for years, for centuries, as the actual burial shroud that wrapped Jesus, as recorded in the Bible, uh, it was owned from 1450 to 18 to 1982 by the royal Savoy family until the former king of Italy, uh, Humberto II, passed away and willed it to the Catholic Church. The shroud has been on displayed has been displayed for uh, numerous public exhibitions over the past 650 years. While in Italy, the Catholic Church acted as custodian of the cloth, even though it was officially owned by the Savoys. Now, um, the history prior to its arrival in France is not continuous, and therefore critics have alleged that uh, that the shroud um, is uh, it's the work of a medieval artist. However, discovery of a key document in 1993. Uh, dated from 1192, confirms that the shroud was uh, in Constantinople and was stolen by crusaders during the Fourth Crusade. Uh, it bridges the gap between 1204 and 1356 when the shroud's whereabouts were in question. <clears throat> also, um, uh, it, it, this the let me let me just go on here. Uh, let's see, because there's too much here on the history of the shroud. We don't need to go into that. The science. All right. So in 1898, uh, the shroud was photographed for the first time. The first pictures led to the discovery of the that the image on the cloth is actually a negative. The image becomes positive in the photographic negative. This discovery startled the scientific community and stimulated uh, worldwide interest. In 1931, Giuseppe Enri Enri photographed the shroud again with more advanced film technology, confirming that the shroud is indeed a negative image. Copies of Enri's photos were circulated throughout the world, prompting more scientific inquiry and interest. In 1950, Dr. Pierre Barbette 
A prominent French surgeon published uh, a doctor at Calvary documenting 15 years of medical research on the shroud image. He described the physiology and pathology of the man in the shroud as anatomically perfect. In 1973, Max Frey, a noted Swiss criminologist, was given permission to take dust samples from the shroud that contained much pollen. He discovered 22 pollen species from plants that are unique to the areas around Constantinople and Edessa, and seven pollen, pollen species from plants common only in Israel. The pollen trail appears to corroborate the historical trail. In 1975, Air Force scientist, uh, scientists John Jackson and Eric Jumper used a VP-8 image analyzer designed for the space program, discovered that the shroud image contained an encoded 3D data not found in ordinary reflected light photographs. This discovery indicated that the cloth must have been wrapped in a real human figure at the time the image was formed. <coughs> Excuse me. In 1978, the shroud was on public display for the first time since 1933, and it was displayed for six weeks. At the close of the exhibition, 24 scientists uh, compromising the Shroud of Turin Research Project, or STURP, um, STURP, analyzed the shroud for five continuous days, 122 hours working shifts around the clock. That's what uh, L.A. Mazzuli was just talking about. National Geographic in 1980 published a landmark article on the shroud, further propelling the cloth into the scientific limelight, calling it one of the most perplexing enigmas of modern times. Uh, in 1980, in the same year, uh, uh, microscopist uh, Walter McCrone, who was not part of the Shroud Project, was, giving, was given several fibers to analyze. After finding iron oxide particles and a single particle of vermilion paint, he broke ranks with the Shroud scientists who agreed to make the findings uh, public and follow in the following year. McCrone proposed the shroud was a painting of, rare, of red ochre paint created from iron oxide particles suspended in a thin binder solution. However, McCrone's findings in no way agreed with any of the highly sophisticated tests conducted by two dozen earlier scientists. His claims all have been dismissed. It turns out that the iron oxide is a natural result of soaking the linen for days um, where iron where iron ions from the water attach to the fibers and oxidize. The particles are randomly distributed over the, the entire cloth. After three years, in 1981, after three years analyzing the data, the Shroud of Turin Research Project made their findings public at an international conference in New London, Connecticut. The scientists agreed upon the following statement, quote, we can conclude for now that the shroud image is that of a real human form of a scourged, crucified man. It is not the product of an artist. The blood stains are composed of hemoglobin and have given a positive test for serum albumin. Albu albu um, in 1988, the shroud was carbon dated by three laboratories in Oxford, Zurich, and Arizona. They indicated a date range from 1260 to 1390, indicating the cloth had only been about 700 years old. This earth-shattering news seemed to contradict the conclusions of, of Sturp that gave support to the Shroud's possible authenticity. In 97, uh, a prominent Israeli botanist and professor at a Hebrew university, Avinonium Danum, 
uh, confirmed the presence of flower images on the shroud. <coughs> Excuse me. He verified 28 different pollen species and or plant images. Many are from plants that grow only around Jerusalem. 2002, the shroud was restored to, uh, yeah, restored to remove charred debris from the fire of 1532 and to aid in the cloth's preservation. All of the burns and patches from 1532 fire were removed. The shroud was attached to a new backing cloth as well. <coughs> 2004, textile ep- expert uh, uh, merchant- Merchantile Flurry Lemming revealed that the stitching on the seam of the shroud that runs the entire length, known as the side strip, is typical of Jewish burial, stru- burial shrouds found in Masada, Israel. In 2004, chemical research on the image fibers offers clues as to how the image was formed. The entire cloth is covered with a razor-thin layer of carbohydrates that adhered to the linen after being soaked in soap weed detergent as part of the ancient manufacturing process. Something has interacted with the carbo layer resulting in a discoloration of the cloth near or in direct contact with the body as well as caused as what caused the image to be visible on the cloth. In 2005, thermal chemist Ray Rogers followed up on new spectro, excuse me, spectroscopic data showing material on the corner cut for carbon dating may be different from the rest of the shroud. Um, he obtained thread samples of the carbon-14 corner and thread samples in the interior of the shroud, additional microchemical and uh, uh, <laughs> spectroscopic tests showed samples were not the same. Results published in a peer-reviewed journal uh, confirmed in, uh, in, in initial concerns. The sample cut for C14 dating appears to be from the medieval reweave instead of the original shroud. In 2011, European researchers with the ENEA were able to replicate the depth and coloration of the shroud image using a 4 nanosecond burst from a UV ex- Um, eczema laser. This is the first time any aspect of the image has been reproduced using light. 2013, researchers with uh, Padua Padua University in Italy were using multiple samples from from other linens of a known age ranging from the current era to 3000 BC. They were able to develop a predictable rate of chemical and mechanical uh, mechanical decay. Compromising, uh, comparing the fibers from the shroud, they determined an estimated date range of 280 BC to 220 AD. So I think that's very, very interesting, personally. Uh, you know, here is uh, what you're looking at on the screen now is an artist's uh, rendition in bronze, I believe, of the body that was in there. If you look carefully, you will see the uh, the hole in the side and the ribs where we stabbed. Um, you know, and this is the way the body looked in the cloth. You see the head is up and the knees are up, being that the uh, when the image was uh, portrayed onto the cloth, it was that of um, a body in rigor mortis. Uh, this would be another image of that. Uh, this one's showing the, the stripes from the, uh, from the flogging that he took. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, that is interesting because it does coincide with what we see in Scripture. Uh, scientific x-ray te- dates the Shroud of Turin to be around the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. And you, if you look on that, the burn marks on the left and the right were from the fire, but you could see <clears throat> the image of the face in there. And uh, uh, you carefully see, and I believe there are coins over the eyes as well. 
this is the front and back uh, image of the cloth that when you take a picture of it, it comes up as a negative. So the cloth itself uh, is a negative, and when you take a picture of it, it shows up as a negative instead of a positive. So this is what you see if you were to take a picture of it, you'd see the negative result. On the left side of the screen, you'll see the, um, the back, and the right side of the screen, you'll see the front of the body. Uh, that's what the whole thing looks like. Um, and this is a close-up of the face that's illuminated within that. Uh, carefully, I think you'll see coins on the eyes there, and uh, you can see the damage done by the crown of thorns, and uh, this, this body is in repose. And this is what how the body would have been wrapped in the ancient days. They would have taken that 13, 14-foot cloth by three and a half wide and would have wrapped the body in that manner. Um, and this is an artist's rendition of what the face looks like uh, outside of the taking uh, taking the image that was done on the left and superimposing an image on the right, and this is what the face would have looked like with the eyes open. I, I thought that was the best one that I've seen. Uh, this is where the blood stains are from the uh, uh, from uh, being uh, beaten. You see this; these are, are marks definitely from uh, uh, being scourged. The uh, the scourge was uh, I have talked about this before on how the scourge was uh, um, taken and put into uh, uh, it was a it was a I don't have the picture of it here I wish I did. It had the uh, it was a it was a whip with three tongues two or three tongues on it, and they they glued bone or pottery to the to the to the leather straps and usually had a lead ball at the at the base, and when they hit the person with it they would twist and pull so it would tear out chunks of flesh, so you can imagine taking a knife and sticking it in your skin and just flipping it so that that's what it would have been like. Uh, and Jesus took a lot of hits like that. We don't know. Traditionally, they say 39 times, but that was the tradition of the Jews. It was not the tradition of the Romans. The Romans could have could have hit them 100 times, uh, up to 100 times. They knew that when they beat a person, that it was um, that it was um, uh, they wanted to keep that person alive, near death but alive. And this is why. When Christ, <coughs> when Christ was climbing the hill to Golgotha, he, uh, he fell so many times because he uh, was weakened. He was weakened by the beating. The, the, uh, the scourging would have been uh, something terrible. I mean, when you get chunks of meat that get ripped off your body, and, um, you know, and then you're taken and you, you have to walk, the distance now. I don't know how long it is from the, where he was scourged to uh, to the place of the skull where he was crucified. That I do not have. I I don't know. If anybody does, please email me with it. I don't remember. I don't don't remember hearing how the distance was, and I never never researched it. But no matter what the distance is, um, that was a terrible terrible thing. It was he was beaten nearly to death. Blood loss would have been tremendous. The strain on the body would have been tremendous, and he's taking these blows and these hits, and is then taken up to the hill, up to Calvary, the place of the skull, and he's nailed to a cross, hoisted up and put on in his feet. I believe that they used the platabulum, which is just a cross beam, which probably would have weighed about 75 to 100 pounds. 
and he had to carry that up. And then they would nail him to that and lift him up and nail him to the upright beam. To, and he would drop it in from the top, making what would look like a capital T, or slot it in to make it look like a, a lowercase t. But the you know either way, then they would take the feet and nail the feet to the upright beam, and the person would be pinioned to the cross. And how a person died being on the cross was that their uh, their lungs would fill with water. Essentially, they would drown. And the only way you can get pressure off was to put lift yourself up. Now you're asking, now he's uh, uh, now irritating the 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 uh, wounds on his back again to lift himself up to speak to to grasp in some air because basically you were suffocating and with your arms up like this the fluids could not pump upwards so they would begin to to to, um, to form back in the lungs and then the person would essentially drown in their uh, in, in their own in their own fluids, essentially that's the way it was. You would suffocate. It was a horrible way to die. And uh, but Christ did that for us. Now, uh, so when he was taken down, he was wrapped in a cloth. <clears throat> the scripture is very clear about this. It's in all four gospels. And he was placed in the in the uh, unused tomb. And there are pictures of that. You can look that up online yourself and and and, and check that out. But I just found that. Uh, you know, if this cloth, now let me just read a couple other quick things for a summary of the key facts of the, the uh, Shroud of Turin. All right, number one, the tests that were performed by the Shroud of Turin, this STRP, the, the STRP, um, they did particle analysis, chemical analysis, blood analysis, photomicroscopy, uh, spectroscopy, X-ray radiography, infrared thermo thermology, X-ray for uh, fluorescence spectromacy, uh, photo scans from infrared to ultraviolet, and they did more as well. Now the results: there were no inorganic pigments present, so everything on that cloth was organic. All right, no substitute, no substances manually applied to the cloth. This is what they found: no artistic substances are on the cloth. No collagen binder would be there as would be used with paint. Blood tests positive for hemoglobin, bile, serum, albumin, and other blood components. The blood is AB positive with human DNA. The blood marks seen on the shroud are consistent with a contact transfer to the cloth of blood clot ex ex exudates that would have resulted from major wounds infected on a man, inflicted on a man who died in the position of crucifixion. That was from Dr. Al Aldir. All right, so in the image characteristics, it's purely superficial, penetrates only the top two microfibers, does not penetrate the cloth. Isn't that interesting? That it doesn't penetrate the whole cloth. So if you were to paint on that, don't you think it would penetrate the whole cloth? Okay, wouldn't just be like microfibers. The, only the top two microfibers. The yellowing of the image is uniform in intensity. There is no uh, capillary action apparent, so the, whoever was bleeding was, wasn't bleeding. This was leftover blood. All right, it wasn't, uh, it, you know, capillary action means that the heart was beating. Uh, no cementing of fibers to each other, no substances between the threads, uh, no directionality to the image, no outline to the image. The image is a negative. Like I said, that, that, that in itself is fascinating. The image is a negative. 
So it, it's a negative picture that when you take a picture of it, it comes out positive. That's why the guy that L.A. Mazzulli was talking about almost dropped the plate because the image came out positive. Um, it contains distance information similar to a topographical map. All right. And so their conclusion is, is that um, uh, there are no chemical or physical methods known which can account for the totality of the image, nor can any combination of physical, chemical, biological, or medical circumstances explain the image adequately. We conclude for now that the shroud image is that of a real human form of a scourged, crucified man. It is not the product of an artist. The blood stains are composed of hemoglobin and also give a positive test for serum albumin. So this is... Uh, this is definitely something that's real here. Um, all right, so is it, again, so is it the burial shroud of Jesus? The shroud of Turin conforms to what is known of the first century Jewish burial, burial practice of a single linen shroud. Strips of linen were only used to tie the hands and feet. Textile and analyst analysis indicates an ancient origin. Threads were hand-spun, the cloth is pierced together with narrow bands with each hank of yarn individually bleached. All indicate an origin in the early, earlier than the Middle Ages. If the shroud wrapped a human corpse, as several medieval forensic specialists believe, and if it originated in Israel, as many botanists believe, can it ever be proven to be Jesus? Only by inference. So the blood on the head from the crown of thorns, abrasions on the bruises, uh, abrasions and bruises on the face, wound on the side, over 120 scourge marks, blood on the arms, nail wounds in the wrists, nail wounds in the feet, legs not broken, post-mortem blood flow from the side wound on the back not pictured, uh, legs are pulled up to due to rigor mortis, blood is from actual wounds and show evidence of gravity from vertical position. No stains of the body of body decomposition. So fact or fiction, science cannot render a verdict. It remains the world's greatest unsolved mystery. It is either the most awesome and instructive relic of Christ in existence, or it is one of the most ingenious, most unbelievable, clever products of human mind on hand on record and hand in record. Uh, it is <clears throat> is either one or the other. There is no middle ground. <clears throat> so if you go to the uh, shroudencounter.com, they do have a, um, uh, a uh, what they say, it's a fast-paced uh, multimedia presentation using over 200 dramatic images that covers all aspects of science, history, medieval analysis of crucifixion and nature of causing the uh, nature and cause of the image. So uh, you can check that out. That's at the, uh, the shroudencounter.com. So with all that being said, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, there's, there's been, you know, pieces of the original uh, cross that sold all over the world. If they, they put them all together, it probably would fit, you know, the state of Texas more than likely. Um, so there's a lot of phony things out there. Now, you know, the, uh, it, what's interesting about the shroud is with the modern technology we have today, excuse me, I just need to drink on something here. 
with the modern technology that's available today, we see this um, we see this piece of cloth that that they that they they wonder, you know, hey, is this the real is this the real image of Jesus? I mean, could this face that we're looking at here be the actual face of Jesus Christ? Uh, it's an interesting thought. Uh, it's an interesting thought to think of. We have um, we have uh, you know different things. I mean, you look at this. You look at this cloth, and the way the person is pictured, uh, everything seems to point to, it definitely points to a, a, a man who was crucified, no question. And, uh, but how did that image get there? I mean, it, you know, person's wrapped in a cloth like this, the blood stains are left, that left over. Now, are we looking at the face of Jesus on this cloth? And that's an interesting question. You know, what are we looking at here? Uh, you know, this is the uh, this is the question that uh, a lot of people have. You know, are we are we looking at the body of Christ in the, in this the actual physical um, um, you know representation of Christ or not? Uh, many choose to believe that it is. And when you when you look at everything from the 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 as I'm showing you here the the marks from the wounds. Uh, wounds on the side, um, you know, wounds from a crown of thorns. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things here that, that make you wonder, is, you know, is this really? Now, if, if it is the real, um, uh, the real image of Christ actually embedded in the image here on the cloth, uh, makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, it makes me wonder, um, you know what happened. Now I know that uh, during the the Bible describes in in some places that uh, they saw a bright light uh, when you know just before Christ rose. And I, and I'm wondering, you know, is is this what happened? I mean, they the you know they describe seeing the the, uh, the 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 cloth the shroud that he was in just lying there and um it you know and the body was gone you know jesus now i mean la marzuli just talked about that you know he believes that with such power that it kind of came out from the sheet and um yeah i mean that could be that could be entirely possible it's all speculation on our part but you'll hear L.A. say this as well, and I think it, it, it has a lot of credence. He believes that the shroud is a receipt. It's a receipt from God. Now think about this. When you go to the store, you go to a restaurant, you order your dinner, and uh, you're, you pay for something, you're given a receipt to, sh- to prove that you paid for it. I, and he believes that the Shroud of Turin is a receipt from God. And if this is the actual burial cloth of Christ, it'd be interesting because this receipt shows that the sin has been paid for. Your sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. And the Shroud is a, you know, a physical leftover doesn't mean anything. It's not to be worshipped or, or, or reverenced. 
but it's an interesting fact. And, you know, people walk in Jerusalem all the time. They walk in the pathway that the Christ. Thing. What would it have been like? What would have been like to be with Christ on that, you know, on those roads? And I think about that. I think about that a lot. Um, what would have been like to walk with Jesus in those days and to see, you know, and, and you know, not knowing what we know today uh, about Christ and, and, and the history behind it, but as the history was being made, wow, what a thought. What a thought. To think about how Christ paid the price for uh, our sins and the shroud, if it's real, could it be a receipt? A receipt left by God to say, yeah, here it is. This is your proof. But thankfully, we have um, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, and we don't need physical proof. Um, the you know even Jesus kind of alluded to that you know when he was talking about the rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man asked uh, Abraham, "Send Lazarus back from the dead," and and uh, the rich man said. Uh, Abraham said, no, they're not going to believe even if somebody comes back from that. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the man said, no, 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 they won't listen to them. But if one comes back from the dead, then they'll be convinced. And, and Abraham said, no. He says, if they don't believe the law and the prophets, then they won't even be convinced if one came back from the dead. <clears throat> and... <clears throat> Even the Pharisees said, uh, you know, show us a sign, show us proof that you're who you say you are. And Jesus said, no sign's going to be given except that of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, so the Son of Man will be three days in the center of the earth. And uh, when he rises again, that'll be the sign. So here's the sign of Jesus. He came back from the dead. And it just, is the Shroud of Turin a leftover? Is it a... Um, is it a receipt for what God did? And we're coming to the end of the show here, and I, I just want to thank you for being here with me. You know, it, it, it's so difficult sometimes to um, to show up here because so many things are pressing in. And I made a commitment to be here with you, and it's sometimes it gets very, very difficult. But there are some things that I want you to know. If you're listening to this program for the first time, well, thank you for, for coming here. If you're watching on uh, Facebook, don't forget to hit that like button and, uh, and uh, hit the, the bell so you can subscribe. Also, if you're watching on uh, YubNub and YouTube and, uh, and uh, YubTub and uh, YubNub and Rumble, uh, don't forget to hit the like button as well. Subscribe to the channel, and I just really appreciate it very much. But more importantly, the show we give the things that are in the news, and we talk about how it relates to Bible prophecy. And I really want you guys to to understand. Look, the Lord is coming back soon. And uh, no amount of, of um, 
whatever man does is 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 going to be useless in the thing. So we have to believe that God is is coming soon, and uh, because of the signs of the times that are around us. But I want you to understand. Whoops, excuse me. I want you to understand that there's uh, that there's uh, a place. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't accepted Him into your life as your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting for? Okay. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right, because the, there's nobody righteous. Now you may think you're righteous. Well, I go to church, and I'm I'm. I've, I've been in this church for 900 years and, you know, I'm an elder and I eld and I'm a deacon and I deke and yeah, but that doesn't save you. Okay. You can, you could have, you, you can stack chairs as good as anybody else or better than everybody else, but it doesn't save you. Now there are a lot of phonies in the church, in the churches today, and we'll be talking about that in some shows coming up, phonies in the church. Um, but just because you go to a church doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't get you saved. Just because you've been a member of whatever church you belong to, it doesn't matter. Now, maybe you're an agnostic. Maybe you don't believe in, in, uh, in, uh, in all this stuff. You know, it's, 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 it's a useless thing for you. You, you. you just say, ah, you know, that's all a bunch of garbage. But you know what? When I put up those images of uh, of the crucifixion here, and you know, when we look at the beating that this man took, well, we see the scourge marks on his legs and on his back, and this is consistent. Uh, if you look at the way these marks are, that he was beaten and sent to a cross and died on a cross for the sins of the world. His human body was given as a sacrifice. And if this cloth is truly the burial cloth of Jesus, it only goes to prove that he died. But by faith we look at that, okay? Because no one is righteous, no, not one. It doesn't matter what you do. All right, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've just explained that to you. As it, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, Jesus himself um, gave his life so that we can have eternal life. And the scripture says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past it doesn't matter how bad you've been you don't have to get cleaned up to come to Christ because like I always say you don't have to get cleaned up before you take a bath right you don't have to take a bath before you take a shower you, you just go in the shower and you get clean or you go in the tub and you get clean well see while God demonstrated his love towards us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right, Jesus' death paid the price for our sins. And when he died on the cross, he took the burden of our sins and opened the way for us to enter into eternal life with him. Now, how do you do it? I mean, it's, do I have to say certain words or do certain things? No. 
The scripture is very clear. You know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Scripture says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, you could say a simple prayer, something like this, just say, uh, you know, Heavenly Father, uh, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I know that without Jesus, I am on the road to hell. And Father God, you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. So Lord, I, I, I ask that you forgive me for my sin. I accept the work that Jesus did on the cross so that I may have eternal life with you. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, you know, my prayer was a lot simpler. I said, God, I give up, and I cried myself to sleep. But if you said something like that, and you really want to get right with God, and you, you've, you, your heart has been touched, I want you to reach out to me at the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. That's the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. I promise you, you will not be spammed. I promise you, you won't get any emails from me that could be, you know, questionable because uh, number one, I'm the only one here. Uh, you could put in there a prayer request or Sal, I've got a question. And I'll be glad to go over those things with you. <clears throat> the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. Also, as I said, get the Wisdom app for your phone and keep your eyes open for that because we'll be able to talk straight to, straight, you know, voice to voice on that. We'd love to chat with you on that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, for all of you who are listening, both uh, all on uh, uh, Facebook, on YouTube, YubNub, Rumble, uh, wherever else this podcast goes out to, and uh, for my friends there at uh, at uh, at uh, impactradiousa.com, thank you for tuning in and listening. It's very important to me. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Truth Must Be Told, and we will see you next week. We're going to continue discussions, uh, some on the Shroud, some on uh, UFOs, and some of the other crazy things that are going on out there in the world today. I want to thank you for listening. God bless. And uh, enjoy your uh, your week, the rest of your weekend. God bless you.